Welcome to the Coach's Nook, your weekly boost of coaching caffeine. I'm Anna Maria. I'm Vicenta. We are two certified professional coaches who are passionate about helping people move towards the life that they want to lead. Every episode, we'll be sharing practical tools and techniques that are easy enough to implement right away so you can experience the impact of coaching for yourself. Grab your favorite drink and join us for the conversation. We are thrilled to present our recent interview with certified professional coach Melanie Kimberlin of Kimberlin Coaching. Given that we had so much to talk about, we needed to break it up into two episodes. Have a listen to the first half. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode. My co-host, Vicenta, and I are thrilled to welcome Melanie Kimberlin from Kimberlin Coaching. Melanie's a certified professional coach from the Institute for Professional Excellence in Coaching, an associate certified coach with the International Coaching Federation, a certified trauma support specialist from the Arizona Trauma Institute. Melanie combines life experience, recovery, mentoring, coach training, and neuro physiology to allow her to coach and train a broad range of people specializing in those who have suffered or are suffering from stress and trauma. Melanie is passionate about helping people discover the strength that they don't realize they have. They often feel like they don't have the competencies needed to keep going and live a life full of power and joy. Melanie believes the fact that they have endured such suffering shows what a strong person they are and helps them discover the capabilities and tools they didn't know they had already been using. She helps them put those to use in a more conscious way to keep moving forward out of the pain and into productive, meaningful, joyful lives. Melanie has coached leaders and entrepreneurs, as well as women who are leaving abusive relationships. She has taught and led large groups as well as trained and facilitated small groups and coached one-on-one. Please give a huge welcome to Melanie. Melanie, we are so grateful that you're here. Thank you so much for joining us in this episode. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here and I'm honored that y'all invited me to be with you. Absolutely. So I'm going to get started, Melanie, with the first question. So we would like to start off by asking you to describe trauma and stress in your own words. Right. So trauma, normally we think of trauma as a big, huge traumatic event, like someone's in the war or someone is uh, abused, physically or sexually abused. And it absolutely can be that. But the, the definition of trauma actually is what happens to the body under prolonged, consistent, negative stress. So when you are living day to day to day in a negative or a violent, a critical environment, your body 
your brain wants to keep you safe and it pours these hormones into your body to help you get safe from this situation. Now that's wonderful if you're out in the woods and a bear is chasing you, but your brain can't tell the difference in physical danger and emotional danger. So when our brain senses what we're normally, well, some of us are in emotional, some of us are in physical danger, but it pours those hormones to get our bodies ready to either um, run away or fight to do something to be safe. When this happens day after day after day, our body never gets to metabolize those hormones out of our body. And so those hormones are day by day being destructive in our bodies. That is the true definition of trauma because that stress and trauma on our bodies causes so many problems, physical, mentally, and emotional. Okay, so that was a great definition. Thank you. That is so fascinating, Melanie, because what you're describing is the body's reaction to stress. And that's an automatic reaction. So now that you've given us the definition of trauma and stress, what is the difference between therapy and life coaching in your own words? So there are some crossovers, but the main differences that I see are that therapy and counseling, for the most part, come at the situation as in you're broken and you need to be fixed. You're sick and you need to be healed. Now, that's not a totally, there are exceptions to the rule, obviously, but for the most part, they, they delve into your past they're trying to find out what is the cause of everything going on. And usually you're encouraged to just talk about all the past pain and hurt. Whereas coaching is more forward moving, forward thinking. We do go to the past because we do need to see what is going on with us. But especially with trauma informed coaching, we want to not let people get stuck down in that pain. And so we concentrate more on their strengths, on their competencies, helping them discover that in what is inside them already that they don't realize. So as a coach, my premise is, you know what you need to know. You have within you the wisdom, the strength to overcome this. I'm just gonna help you rediscover it. Maybe you knew it and maybe you never knew it, but it's still there and I'm gonna help you discover that. That is so powerful. I like that definition, the way that you said the therapy being that there's something to be fixed, whereas life coaches, it's all about, hey, you've got the answer. We're just going to help you get there. You yeah. know, there's nothing really wrong with you. You've got the answers and we'll work through this. So it's excellent. Thank you. So, Melanie, what is the reason that you chose this niche or focus? Well, I myself have gone through two relationships that were definitely not the best and were definitely in some ways emotionally abusive. Thankfully, they were not physically abusive. And as I went through them and, and had so much pain and so much stress and I eventually moved through them and I did have people support me, but I think that if I had been coached 
through those situations, I think that it would have come out a bit faster. I think it would have experienced less pain, less stress. I think I would have been able to have more joy and more power through it all. So I just want to try to help other women do the same thing. And it doesn't have to be abusive relationships. It could be any kind of stress and trauma, but for the most part, it does end up being women um, coming out of those abusive relationships. Thank you for that. And I can so relate because I have also two failed relationships and a coach could have really have been beneficial back in the day. I, I frankly didn't even know what a coach was back then. I didn't either. Melanie, who is your typical client? Well, kind of what we said. So it could be someone who is wanting to leave an abusive relationship. Maybe someone that's, it could be abuse in the, in the sense of physical abuse, or it could be someone that's married to a narcissist or sociopath or someone that's just, it's more mental, it's more calculated. So maybe they're wanting to leave the relationship. Maybe they've left the relationship and they're, they're having trouble um, letting go of the dream, letting go of the attachment to that person. Maybe that man has left them and they're saying, what was wrong with me? Why did I, why didn't they love me? Why would they love this other person more? And so many times they're feeling powerless and they're feeling weak and they're feeling less than abandoned. They had this dream. They gave their heart. They gave their life to this person expecting. And, and this person normally starts off very loving, very caring, makes them just feel like a princess. And then it moves on and they become their true self. And then the woman is just stuck in this weird situation where she's miserable, and but yet she's so attached to him emotionally that she can't move on, whether she's physically still living with him or whether she's actually out. And maybe she's even actually divorced, but she's having trouble letting go of that emotional attachment. I wonder if you could speak to that attachment piece Yes, I would love to. So that actually is how I came to uh, start learning about stress and trauma because that attachment piece is called a trauma bond. Mm. And as I started researching that, then I actually started delving into the stress and trauma. And so I've got a little story here why this trauma bond happens, if, if you're okay with that. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So back in the day, they were doing, these scientists were doing this research and they wanted to try to see what can they do to get these rats to keep pressing this bar to get a reward after they had stopped giving the reward? Okay, so they had several different ways they tried it. The first thing they tried was they would reward them every time they pressed the bar. So they did this for a while. The rats got used to it. They would go press it, and then they stopped giving any rewards. Very quickly, the rats realized no more is coming. You know, they pressed a few more times and when they got no reward, they quit. They moved on and went and looked for other ways to get food. Then they tried another way. They said, okay, the rat had to press 10 times. And every 10th time they would get a reward. So they, they did, did this for a while. The rats got used to it, got trained. And so they would come and they go 10 times and then they get their food. And then they stopped. Well, so of course the rats didn't know at first that there was no food coming. They still had to do 10 more times and then they got no food. 
And so maybe they did that once or twice more, but very quickly they realized no more food and they quit pressing the bar. Then they tried it all reward you every 10 minutes. So then the rats learned they would just wait till the end of this 10 minute time, they go and press it, they get the rewards. Again, once they quit, they tried it once or twice. And then when they got no more rewards, they moved on. But the last one is called intermittent reinforcement. And this is the jewel. This is where the trauma bonding comes in. So this time they had no predictive pattern of reward. Sometimes when the rat would press the bar, they would get a reward. Sometimes they would not. Sometimes they would, sometimes they would not. They did this for a little while and got them trained that they never knew if they were going to get it or they were not going to get it. And then they stopped. And the rats never quit pressing the bar. The rats kept pressing the bar because they kept thinking, this is going to be the time. This is going to be the time. And we see that in all areas of our lives. So what happens in this area with the women and the abusive relationship is they starts off the man is is called love bombing and they just give them all this attention and that the woman generally doesn't even have to do anything i mean they are just being courted and and treated wonderfully everything is wonderful and then maybe they get married or they, they become a committed relationship and then it changes somewhat and maybe he starts only rewarding her when she's done something good for him only when she spent time with him and he just quits rewarding her if she's not now she's in that intermittent reinforcement then it gets to where he'll maybe even starts abusing her some but then every now and then he gives her a crumb he gives her a little bit and that little bit gives as we've learned in our trauma stuff gives her a little dopamine hit and it makes her think oh i want that again so it moves on into all these things the gaslighting is where they um, the woman might say, what, what is going on? Why are you treating me bad? And it'll be going, you're crazy. I'm not treating you bad. It comes from a movie called Gaslight, where the man was trying to make his, well, he was, uh, made his wife go crazy. And it, you feel crazy. These women that, I, that I'm working with, they feel crazy. And I tell them, no, you're not crazy. This kind of living is crazy making. So then as it goes on, the women just become so attached and then they start losing their self-esteem because how can I let this go on and yet they cannot pull away it becomes an addiction unless things get super super bad or they have someone really supporting them sometimes they'll just stay stuck forever and then and then even when they leave they still have trouble because they're they're grieving that dream that dream is still alive it's hard I mean it can be overcome for sure but it's not easy well, those neural pathways have been established, right? And yes. Anna Maria and I, we love those neural pathways. Oh, we and, do. Yeah. We do. I do too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, as you were talking, Melanie, I was thinking this would make anyone crazy. Mm -hmm. So it's no wonder that these, these women are feeling like they are crazy because that is crazy making. I can't believe those study of the rats and, and how that trauma bond is established. Oh my yeah. gosh. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I know exactly what that is because I did live in a relationship or maybe a couple of them that had that. And you're always hoping that, oh, it's going to get better. 
and then they say the right thing at just the right time and then you feel good and then you start saying why am i feeling that way because it it is good and then that happens again and it just repeats itself yeah so it's true that trauma bond is so true yeah. melanie what are some techniques that you use for instance you mentioned self-esteem to mm -hmm. help your clients you know improve their self-esteem and maybe our listeners will be able to you know pick up a tip or two on mm -hmm. increasing their self-esteem or any other thing that you help your clients with yeah first of all i just try to let them know that what they're feeling is perfectly normal for what they've been through as we've talked with those neural pathways when the brain is pouring out those hormones those hormones are meant to make you act not to think and so some of the women uh, that i see post on the site they'll say my brain feels foggy i can't focus the things i used to enjoy i don't enjoy anymore and they feel like this is a bad thing and they're critical about that and i say this is exactly what happens when your brain is full and your body is full of all those hormones so first i just try to get them to stop beating themselves up because here's the thing when you beat yourself up and you criticize you're pouring more hormones in so you have to at least stop and say okay this is normal i'm okay i will get through this and then i will try to get them to think about some times and and help them realize so if they've lived through this stuff already they are a strong person they don't feel strong but they are and so i help them realize some of the ways that they have been strong. And I've had someone go, oh yeah, you're right. I, maybe I am stronger than I thought. And as they start to realize that, number one, you know, what they're feeling is totally normal. And then I see that, help them see that, that they have had strengths and competencies all along. They just have got it kind of beaten out of them in this situation they're in. So that's the start of it. I also teach them some regulation techniques so we call it regulated when you're calm when you're able to think you're using the front part of your brain and we call it dysregulated if you have been triggered and your brain has poured all those hormones and we, we call that hulk mode also i teach them how to know when you're feeling that trigger what can you do to help yourself regulate and some people talk about meditation. I've never been a big meditator, but I like these breathing exercises, things that just, they're short, one or two minutes. Just anybody can do that. I can even do that one or two minutes and getting very conscious of our body, um, different sensations in our body, different breathings. These can help them calm down and help me calm down. We kind of do it together sometimes. And then once we're at that point, then we can start looking at what they want to change you know we we talk about that our thoughts create our feelings create our actions and then we have results so what do you want to change we have a energy leadership index assessment that i give them and this kind of assesses how they view the world a filter through which they see the world and then we go through that we debrief that what kind of shows them how they react in the world and that's always very interesting for them to see and they see the positive ways that they react to and then one of the last things that as we it may be not be something we start off at first but as we go on i really love to teach them about journaling 
Writing, I think, is very powerful. You can have everything in your head and you can think there's a million things. And when you start writing, there could be a lot, but there's never a million. And when you start writing, there's something that happens between your brain and your hand that makes you write things you didn't even know you were thinking. So journaling has been very powerful for me. I've been doing recovery work for over 30 years. And I would say that journaling is one of the number one things that has been tools that has really helped me uh, discover who I am and discover how I react in the world and, and overcome those feelings, those negative feelings and, and get perspectives. Because once you write it down, it feels infinite in your head. But once you write it down, it's always finite. Even if it's a lot, it's, it's never a million. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I love what you said about that because it feels like a lot, but once you put it down, sometimes just looking at it and, and having a bit of a bird's eye perspective, mm -hmm. you know, I've looked at some of my writing and I think, oh, on paper, it doesn't look so bad. So mm -hmm. let me, you know, look at it from a different way and I can handle it more, you know, just to, by having that other perspective. Yeah. And also journaling stops the ruminating in the head, right? Yeah. And that's one of the worst things when you worry and constantly think and you're like on a treadmill. So mm -hmm. I use journaling a lot with my clients as well. And that assessment is amazing. As mm -hmm. the three of us being from IPAC, we all use it in our practices. It's really great to, to be able to see how one shows up in life. So that's amazing. Thank you. Yeah. And even my clients will refer to it once in a while. Well, you know, I was thinking about the energy of me or of that person. And, and it's wonderful because we have the same language and we know what we're talking about. And there's that perspective again, mm -hmm. and that commonality. I think that it, that is really amazing. You know, Melanie, when you were talking about all the tools and, and things that you do with your clients and the possibilities, that's what I'm hearing is the possibilities, the, the strengths and the capacities and the competencies. And it reminded me of a quote by Dr. Gabor Mate, and we know him as the author of When the Body Says No. And I was watching a YouTube video of his a talk he gave a while ago and this is what he said and i wonder if you could maybe comment on it he said you do nobody any favors by seeing people through the lens of their past pain and lack of possibilities everybody has the possibility of transformation and growth they are not limited by their past experiences yeah, that is exactly what we're living out with our coaching, with being trauma-informed. Because if you live a life that has no struggle, that has no hard times, then you're actually not able to cope if something bad does happen and you can't relate to people. So when I look back over all the things that I've experienced in my life, not that I would have chosen to experience them and not that I enjoyed them at the time at all, but I can see how they've made me who I am now and how they've made me where I can relate to so many more people. 
So every time something bad happens to me, I think, okay, there's a few more people I can relate to now. And the, um, the strengths that we develop as we walk through and so much depends on our reaction, right? So I can go through and I can think, poor me, poor me. And one of the things I actually wanted to, to add to what we were talking about, the tools and the, the energy and all that is that we do tend to label our feelings and our things as bad and good. This is bad, or, you know, as when I'm feeling poor me, then I'm being bad. Well, it's not, they're not bad or good, but it's how much is this serving me? And every level of energy that we're experiencing has a place. And all we're trying to do is teach ourselves and our clients how to be aware of what I'm feeling. What am I feeling? How am I seeing this? And then once I'm aware of it, then I can make a choice, a conscious choice. Do I want to stay here? Do I want to stay here for a little bit? Do I want to move on? So I, I believe that we do have no control over a thought that comes to our head, right? It just flies through. I didn't plan it. I didn't want it. It just came. But then I have a choice. What do I do with it now? Do I dwell on it? Do I let it get me down? Do I process it? Do I work with it? Do I ignore it? Do I just let it go? Depending upon how, how traumatic or how painful the thought is and how powerful it is and where I am in my growth. But it's so important, I believe, to not judge ourselves or our situations or our feelings as good or bad or our energy levels as good or bad, but just it, how, how well is this serving me? And as we go through that, like with your quote, we become stronger, we become more resilient as we've been talking, and we become more compassionate also. Because when we meet people, we realize that we've been there, we felt that, we know how that feels. And even though we know that they can come at it on the other side, we know that at the time you're there, it doesn't feel like it very well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I love what you said about feelings because we will often talk about in our episodes about how feelings are indicators of what's going on. So they're, they're not good or bad. There's, you know, all sorts of feelings that come up for us, but recognizing them and then that choice that you talked about, that conscious choice, what am I going to do with that? I love that. That that's so fantastic. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you for listening to the first half of our interview with Melanie Kimberlin. Stay tuned for part two. so much for listening to The Coach's Nook with me, Anna Maria. And me, Vicenta. If you liked what you heard, please hit subscribe and share it with your family and friends. And if you want more information or to schedule a private coaching session with either one of us, please check the show notes on how to reach us. We'd love to hear from you. Remember, Never lose sight of where you want to be, which leads me to a quote from an unknown author that we both love. Hold the vision, trust the process. Until next time.